Christ, every friends, families who have gathered over here, and also to those that is watching us online. Greetings to everyone, and may God bless you all richly through this service. Praise the Lord. Without taking much time, let me go straight into the word that God has given me this for this morning. The title of my sermon today is A Love Letter from God. A Love Letter from God. When I stand here and look at the crowd, many of you are wearing red, red dress. I don't know if you wore red dress today. Because of a very fantastic week that is ahead of us, we all know the speciality of this week that is coming ahead, especially uh, Thursday, the February the 14th, uh, all across the world, many people will be celebrating Valentine's Day, where they spend time with their loved ones uh, and they enjoy. So I thought, okay, I'll also wear red, and also I thought of speaking something about love, a love letter from God. Before I go deep into the Word of God, before I dive into the Word of God, I want to ask a question for which you don't have to raise your hand or give me a reply. Uh, you just ask that question to yourself and don't make it a public confession. The question, especially for the youngsters over here, listen carefully to me, the youngsters, listen carefully. The question is, have you ever received or given a love letter? Wow, I see a lot of smiling faces which means yes. And to those of you who couldn't smile, it's sorry, don't regret that you didn't get a chance yet to give or receive a love letter. This morning, God is going to give you His love letter for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we call this a love letter because the content of the letter is all about love. The content of the letter is all about love. Now, when you write a love letter... And let me make it really clear, not from my personal experience, but from a common understanding. When you write a love letter, and when you're young, when you're young and when you write a love letter, it's all about dreams, it's all about twinkling stars, it's all about walking hand in hand in a beach, it's all about Cinderella and Prince Charming fantasies and all those things. But as you grow older, when you have traveled through the thick and thin of life, when you have experienced your life, and then when you write a love letter, it's more about realities. It's more about realities of love. Let me tell you, especially youngsters over here, the love that you see on Bali or Holly or any other prominent woods out, of, out there is not the love, the, not the real love. Uh, especially, uh, they don't anymore depict the true love to us. They don't show the true love or the true enduring commitment of a married love anymore in those medias. And as such, divorce have gone a very, very high rate, has skyrocketed these years. The true essence of love is watered down or diluted or undervalued and presented to the society just as an act of sex, so that we would see that and we would think, oh, so this is love all about. So this is love all about. 
they have glamorized sex in such a way and then given a title love and presented it to the society on a golden platter and so that we would accept it. Love has just become an act of sex. But let me tell you, even to speak about the true understanding and meaning and, and, and the depth of love in today's society or in today's generation has become like old school. To speak about true love today has truly become old school. But that is when the timeless, enduring, and ageless word of God comes into action and reteaches us, reschools us, reeducates us about the true understanding and meaning of the love. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let me tell you, the Bible teaches a lot of, lot of things about love, and I'm sure this is not the first time you're hearing a sermon on love. But for this morning's uh, uh, meditation, I would like to focus your attention to a letter written by Paul to Philemon. Philemon. To a, a letter written by Paul to Philemon. This is the smallest letter that you can find in the Bible. Only 335 Greek words used in it. But within this small letter, within this very short letter written by Paul, we can find a deep meaning of love, deep meaning and knowledge of love within it. And I would like to point out a few aspects of love within this chapter. All the youngsters, please pay close attention to this. Keep your phones aside. Keep your uh, other digital things aside because we are talking about love, the things that is burning in teenagers and youngsters' heart these days. So I'm going to talk about that thing today and I will be giving you good examples to make you understand more about it. Okay, the number one thing Thing that we can understand about love from the letter of Philemon, from the letter to Philemon, is that number one, it is a love that derives comfort and shares faith. A love that derives comfort and shares faith. So number one, a love that derives comfort. Now let me tell you, do you love others? Do you love a person based on the benefits that you can get from that person? based on the obligations, or do you love, do you truly love the person because you love that person? There's two ways. One, you can love a person based on the benefits or based on obligations, or you can love a person because you love that person. Now, let me give you an example to make you understand this. I believe all of us seated over here, we had to do one time or the other, we, have to, we had to be involved in group projects, right? We all had to do group projects in school or colleges or even in our workplaces. We have to do group projects. And our teacher will put us into a group and we will like everyone in our group. We'll be so happy with that group. But there will be this one person in that group that we don't like. We don't like. That one person will be there in the group that we don't like. But at the same time, all the rest of us know that this is the only one person who will do some work. This is that only one person who will do some research. This is the only one person that will do some homework and submit the project on time. So what we do is that we'll make that person as a leader. We will take that person outside for a treat. We will buy coffee for that person. We will buy donut for that person. Why? Because that person is doing some research where while we all are sitting back and watching something else or enjoying our time. We will love that person till he finishes the, the research, till he submits the research, uh, research or the group project. As soon as the group project is submitted, then we all will go in our own ways. That love is based on benefits or expectation. 
But when you read from, from the letter to Philemon, what it says over here, what Paul says about Philemon is that the love of Philemon was very true because when people came into his company, when people came into his companionship, they felt deep comfort. They felt refreshed within their hearts. Let me tell you, you don't have to get a doctoral degree in scripture. You don't have to get a doctoral degree in the word of God to comfort others, to give a refreshing heart to others. Many a times we like to spend our time with people who are happy because when they are happy and when we spend time with them, we are also happy. We, we are also made good. We don't want to spend time with people who are going through tough times because it's their problem. But let me tell you, just open your eyes and look around. Find someone who is going through a tough time. Find someone who is not comforted in their heart. Find someone who has pain in their heart and just spend some time with them. You may or may not get something out of it. You may or may not get a benefit in spending time with a troubled person, but your presence can make a difference in their life. Your company can give them a good comfort in their life. It can bring a heart of rejoicing in their, in their life and give a new perspective to their life. Second one, a love that derives comfort and next is a love that shares faith, a love that shares faith. This is very important and very interesting because this is the fact that truly determines if your love is fake or true. There are many fake love these days, right? There are many fake love these days. You think it is, so, it is real love, it is true love. Oh, they're smiling at me. They do this, they text me, they do this. A lot of things that we do these days to prove our love. And we think that is true. But there is fake love and true love. Now, let me explain in, again with another story. I'm giving stories because I want the youngsters to understand the meaning. Now, again, imagine, all the youngsters, imagine you have a very, very important exam ahead of you. Okay, you have a very important exam ahead of you, uh, an exam that will change the course of your life, an exam that if you don't pass, I mean, you have to do something else. You have no other option, but you have to pass this exam, and you have got just one day to prepare for this exam. You just got one day to prepare for this exam, and you're sitting with your friends in a group study and preparing for this exam, but at the same time, in order to pass this exam, in order to get through this exam, in order to uh, be a success successful in this exam, you have to cover up a lot of portion. You have a lot of workload. You have a lot of things to memorize, to learn and study, which you know that by your strength and by your intellectual power will not be able to cover all of it in one day and pass that exam. But you're sitting with a group and you're studying. But, when, uh, but while you're doing that, suddenly in your laptop or in your mobile, you get a message. You get an email. You open the email and then you find an exam key, okay? You find an exam key. And then that exam key has important questions and answers, which for sure you know will come for the exam. You just study that exam key, you will pass with a good grade. You get an email like that. Now the question is, what would you do? Will you just keep it to yourself, study, and don't share your screen with anyone else so that you'll focus on that and study and pass the exam? Or will you share it with the friends, the group that you're sitting and studying? What would you do? Some of you say share. Okay, cool. You don't have to answer me. But let me tell you this. We all had an eternal punishment that is ahead of us. That was death. 
Every youngster is listening. Now on a spiritual note, let me tell you. It's just an example, but it is a very important meaning in our spiritual life. Let me tell you this. We had a very, very, very crucial punishment that was ahead of us, which was eternal death. We had no means to overcome that. The wages of sin is death. We were in sin and we were condemned to death. But that is when Jesus Christ gave us that greatest gift. As it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For you have been saved by grace uh, through faith and not by your works. It was not because of your intellectual capacity or by your strength that you got saved. But God gave you that greatest gift where you got that and then you got saved from that death. But now the question remains to us. What do we do with that greatest gift? What are we doing with that greatest gift? What are we doing with that greatest gift? I believe that all the youngsters seated over here, we have at least one non-believing friends in our friend circle. All of us have at least one non-believing friends within our circle. We share our, our, our car, we share our wallet, we share our phone, we share our dress, we share our shirt, pant, we share whatever, watch, uh, glasses, iPhones, games. We share many things with our friends, right? Because we love them. We share them because we love them. But at the same time, it's your love compelling you to share your greatest gift that you have in your life. It's your love for your friend compelling you to share the greatest gift that you have in your life. The greatest gift is the gift of salvation. And are you able to share, along with other things that you share in your life, are you able to share the greatest gift of salvation with your friends? Because let me tell you, there are many other people in this world who are wanting this gift. They want to pass this punishment. They want to cross over this death. But they don't have this gift. Whereas you seated over here, youngsters, you are given this gift by the the grace of God, but are we willing to share this gift that God has given so freely to freely to your friends that is around you? Amen. Hallelujah. You know what? Philemon had this love and his love was made effective when he shared his faith to the people that was around him. Let me go ahead quickly. The second aspect of love, the second aspect of love, and the first one is it gives you deep comfort and it gives you, uh, it shares your faith. The second one is a love that welcomes, a love that welcomes, especially from verse 8 to 17, and especially verse 17, it says like this, Paul says like this, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me, welcome him as you would welcome me. Now here Paul is advocating for a guy named Onesimus, a guy named Onesimus. Now uh, if you youngsters, if you don't know who Onesimus was, Onesimus was a slave in the house of Philemon. So Philemon was a rich guy. He had many slaves and servants under him. And Onesimus was one of them. And this Onesimus, one day, he did something wrong. He did something mischief. He did some kurtakeda in that house. And then he, he, he knew that they, they would catch him. And suddenly he just ran away from that house. He just ran away. And this guy who just ran away, he comes to Paul. And now Paul says in verse 11, he says like this, this Onesimus who did wrong to you, this Onesimus who was useless, he came to me and I welcomed him in love. And when I welcomed him in love, as days went by, he changed and now he has become one of the most important person for me. And this most important person, Onesimus, I'm going to send it back to you and you need to welcome him just the way that I welcomed him. 
Now let me give you uh, another spiritual interesting insight on that. You know what? Jesus on that cross, you know, Jesus, he was laid on that cross and the soldiers, they stretched out his hand to the max and they nailed him on that cross. That is not a depiction of failure. That is not a depiction of, of defeat. That is not an expression of, of, of failure or defeat, but that was an expression of a welcoming love. That stretched out hand on the cross of Calvary was a symbol to show you that I have a, a stretched out heart to welcome you in love. A stretched out heart to welcome you in love. Let me tell you, that stretched out arm embraced us, us who were not Jews but Gentiles. Us who were like Onesimus, who were running away from God. Us who were useless for God. Us who were not good for the world. Us who were sinners. Us who were marked out for eternal punishment. To us, God stretched out His hand and showed that I have that welcoming love for you. And with that welcoming love, we are made alive in Christ and we are called to be Christ-like. Now let me ask a question to the youngsters. When we are made alive in Christ because of God's welcoming love, do we have that same Christ-like attitude towards others? Do we show that same welcoming love and radical hospitality to the people that are around us? Matthew chapter 25 and verse 35, it says like this. Jesus says, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Whenever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Romans chapter 15 and verse 7, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let me tell you, youngsters, it's good to come on Sunday to win your good clothes and come over here, gather here, have fellowship with your friends, enjoy, which is must and you should do it. And for the days to come, you have to do it. But let me tell you, it is from Monday to Saturday where you put to practice your welcoming love. It is from Monday to Saturday, which is where you put to practice your radical hospitality to the world that is around you. And now you might ask me a question, Pastor, why should we do this welcoming love? Why should we have we show this welcoming love? Let me tell you, there are people that are around you that are messed up in life, that have lost their life, that are bent over in their life, but your welcoming life, love and your hospitality will bring them into a relationship with Christ and make them straight in their life. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me go to the third aspect, the final thing of love. A love that forgives. A love that forgives. From verse 18 to 21, Paul here says that, I have forgiven Onesimus. I have forgiven him for the wrongs that he have done. But you too have to forgive him. If he has done anything wrong to you, I owe you. And I will repay you if he has cost you any charge. A forgiveness. A, a love that forgives no matter what the price is. A love that forgives no matter what the price is. I don't want to stress over here much because we all know about forgiveness and love and a love that forgives. But I just want to read a passage from Luke chapter 6 and verse 32 to 38. But I would just like to read from verse 35 onwards. From verse 35, it says like this, but love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. 
Many a times we ask God, God, I need your blessings, I need your mercy, I need your forgiveness. But let me tell you, there are many out there that needs the same from one of us, that needs the same forgiveness from us, that needs the same grace from us. When we do these things, then in verse 38 it says, you will receive your mercy, blessing, and forgiveness, and it will be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and it will be put in your lap for the measure you see it and will be measured back to you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me close over here. Let me tell you, this love that gives you comfort, this love that gives you faith, this love that welcomes you no matter who you are, this love that forgives you no matter what the price is, that love, it comes only from Jesus Christ. When we talk about love, we cannot exclude 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. It says like this, now these three, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. It says like this, these three things remain present continuous forever which means a boy comes to girl and says baby I love you the girl looks back at the boy and says honey I love you forever then some problems happen the girl comes back to the boy and says I love you as a brother please see me as a sister okay I'm not saying that there is no true love in this world but what I am saying is that there are many things in this world that will attract you that will capture your attention to fall in love. But as it says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, if you love this world, you will be confirmed to the patterns of this world. You will be confirmed to the patterns of this world. And that patterns will soon fade away. That will soon go away, leaving you with nothing but with an itch and wanting more. But the love of God remains forever. And it is the only love that can satisfy our soul. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is the love letter that God wants to share with you this day. And He has signed it with lots and lots of love, Jesus Christ. May God bless you with these words.